Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Hi, this is Ben Smith. I'm happy to be joined by the Tango to My Cash, Mr. Curtis Wister. How are you doing today, Curtis? I'm well, Ben. How are you? I'm I'm well. Uh, so we are here in Rockland, Maine today, right? So retirement success in Maine. Where this is our first out of office experience. Took, I will took I'll, a road trip today. A little road trip. So uh, a little bit rainy, disappointingly on on today. But from podcast world, you never know what the weather is going to be. So. <laughs> We we really we took a trip down to Rockland today, and we're we're really excited about today's guest. So the idea being that for retirement retirement success, we know a lot of people struggle with this idea of of career success, and it's career success or entrepreneurship or business success. And and when they get into a situation where you know a lot of their identity is wrapped up in in that career success, and it's tough to pivot or transition out of that. And that's something where we we've experienced a, a lot with with the clients we have and. And talking to to people out there. So we wanted when we were designing this show and we were thinking about what retirement success in Maine really is, we know that Maine has a ton of small businesses. And that was something that we wanted to be talking about with the audience. So I've I've known uh, our guest today, Susan Ware Page, for uh, probably maybe 10 to 15 years at, at, at this stage. And Susan's and her family's got a really great, unique story. And and that was the person we, we really were thinking about when we were talk, thinking about this topic. And her and her family have a really great uh, viewpoint from how business has changed. So that's where we wanted to go today. So I wanted to introduce Susan to the, the podcast today. So welcome, Susan, to Retirement Success in Maine. How are you doing today? Good, good. Doing very well. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, well, yeah. happy to have you here. One of the things that we usually get into is who you are in your background. But what we wanted to do is, so Susan, can you just explain your role with, so in the businesses, Maritime Energy, Maritime Farms, is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. We're one company, even though we have really two separate business entities. And so we have Maritime Energy, which is an energy company, full service. So we deliver uh, heating oil, K1, propane, diesel, on and off-road diesel, gasoline. And we have a full team of service technicians, actually the largest in the Midcoast area oh, of nice. Maine. So we do everything from no heat calls to uh, parts replacements to full-blown installs. So we do a lot of boiler furnace installs and also um, heat pump installs now has been a real popular thing. On the store side of the business, we have 13 stores now and the Maritime Farms located everywhere from Newcastle, which is our southernmost store, all the way up to Searsport. Excuse me, actually Stockton Springs now. We actually (laughs) just acquired another one in in, uh, April here. So and then uh, we're over into Jefferson. And so we service four counties, Knox, Lincoln, Waldo, and Hancock counties. Excellent. Well, and, and I know, of, of course, the business has changed a lot over three generations of, of uh, family here, right? Mm-hmm. And can you just get into a little bit of the story of, of your grandfather, um, how he started the business, kind of how he kind of got into this? Uh, can you just give us that little background story for... For how it started? Sure. My it's it's really pretty remarkable when I think about the history. And I was only a year old when my grandfather passed away. So a lot of what I've learned has been history from my family. Sure. And um and from customers actually as mm. well. And he back in nineteen thirty-nine started Maritime Oil at five thirty-two Main Street here in Rockland. We still own the property to this day because this is definitely a landmark for our company. And he had moved his family from Portland, Maine. He was an investment banker down there there and moved his family at that time. He and his wife, my grandmother, had two children, one of them being my father, and moved them from Portland, uh, rented a place in Thomaston while they renovated the house in Rockland and got the offers prepared to to open up. So in 1939, you figure the economic times were not great. Mm -hmm. Come out of the depression there and then also with on the brinks of the World War II breaking out. Um, So it was a very volatile time. And looking back, it's pretty remarkable that he took, you know, such a significant risk, especially having a a young family. And how old was he at that point? My grandfather. Well, he, let's see here. Not putting (laughs) him in the I I could figure that out here. Mid 30s, probably something. Uh, Let's see. He was, he passed away in 1978 and he was 77 years old when he passed away. So doing the math back to 19... 
So 38 years old or so? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and so then at that time, he operated a gasoline station and as a retail location, he sold blue uh, Sunoco gasoline and the gasoline was actually dyed blue back in the day. So if someone actually looked at the gas itself or opened up the tanker or or saw the product itself, it was actually blue. And that was part of the marketing that Sunoco company did back then, the supplier. So that was part of the blue, blue Sunoco. And anyhow, then he ended up having one oil truck and started delivering oil, full service station. And then uh, the company continued to grow. He survived through through the wartime there. Um, his family was growing as well. And he ended up having two more children, so a total of four children. And then in the 50s, the company grew to the point where they needed more space. And so they moved over here to this property location and which is 234 park street Street. yeah and then the boston and rockland railroad station um, had a roundhouse here and so Mm -hmm. they shared some of the same building and then over time my grandfather needed basically more space as the company continued to grow and then eventually took over over having this the entire space and then the office that we're in today was actually built in 1999 but this property years ago when my grandfather built it it was on the road to the Rockland dump to the transfer station. So apparently he always thought like, geez, did I make the right decision? And then as the city of Rockland progressed and the traffic increased coming into Rockland and knowing they needed a better road, all of a sudden it became prime location here because the road was changed mm. and this became Route 1. Okay. And so it put them in a prime <laughs> in a prime location. There you go. So it all kind of worked out in the end, but for years he apparently wasn't sure whether, you know, it was the right right spot to be in and ultimately ended up being so. So can you talk a little bit about, uh, obviously your dad, but you have three other than aunts or uncles at, at, at that stage too, right? Yes, yes. So that's that's always a tough thing, right? Is anytime you go, hey, your family member, your father, whoever it is, is involved in a business to say, hey, I'd like you to be involved. How did your dad get involved? Why why him or why not maybe other other siblings of mm-hmm. your dad's? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the oldest son, Roland, where my uncle, he's 87, actually, yeah. lives down in Portland. And he's a, a retired doctor. So he ended up becoming a radiologist and worked mm-hmm. for Maine Medical Center for 25 years. So he went into the medical field. The youngest sister, Anna, uh, she's actually back in the area now. She lived out on the West Coast for many years. And she was a nurse. And so she went a different uh, career route. And then... My other aunt, who's deceased, um, she held a, a bunch of different jobs throughout the years. And just really the other siblings, they just went different career paths. Yep. For my father, he worked for DuPont. He was a boating graduate and studied chemistry is what his degree was in. And then he went to work for DuPont in New Jersey. And then at, after that, he went to into the Army. And so he spent 18 months over in France and was stationed over there and had traveled pretty much to many places around the country during his time in the army. And so when he did his duty. And how old was he in the army? Like He was in the army uh, for his two years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when he got out of the army, then he knew that he had the opportunity back at DuPont to go back to DuPont. Mm -hmm. But at that time, like he really wanted to come back home and he wasn't too enthused about working for DuPont, even though it was a really good job because they send you anywhere they want to send you. And And at that point, um, spending time, you know, in France and the West Coast of the U.S. and spending the time working for DuPont in New Jersey, he figured at that point he had seen enough of the country and the world, and really wanted to be back in Maine, where where his family was from. So it was a great opportunity, and um, I'm sure I'm sure my grandfather was very happy to have him come back. I I know my dad has told me that that he didn't put any pressure on him, but the opportunity was there, and and it worked out. So he came back home, and my grandfather started grooming him in the business, and that was back in 19. 58. So 1958, your dad was involved in the in maritime energy at that point. What was the succession like? What was the that transition for your grandfather, then for your father? How long did that take? And how much was it structured, I guess, is my question there. Mm-hmm. As far as the structure, what the philosophy was back then, which which I think is definitely true today, and, and with my father uh, being a male in the industry, he started driving a fuel truck. Okay. And my grandfather basically started him out like grounds route, learning the different aspects you know, of the company and the different jobs and having him do the different jobs of the company. 
And so he was a, a fuel oil driver, mm-hmm. and then he drove a transport for the company and hauled product out of Portland and out of Searsport um, back to the Buck plants. And then he became, when they decided to get in the service aspect as with service technicians, he actually became the first service technician um, of the company. So that was my father himself, sure, which is no really kidding. neat. And uh, today at 85 years old, he still holds his master oil license, wow. which is uh, right. pretty impressive. So he, uh, we kind of joke about it, that he was the service department (laughs) for the company. And uh, we used to get a lot of calls at night. My mother used to answer the phone a lot at night when the calls would come into the house. But that's all hours of all days. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. And, and so he really had that grounds root effort to learn the different jobs. And then my grandfather, after he got through that process and really got the foundation and understood the pieces of the puzzle of the company and how all aspects is important to the whole operation, then my grandfather made him operations manager and was certainly grooming him to take over the business. And then in 1978, when my grandfather was 77 years old, he passed away. So my grandfather was technically still working for the sure. company okay. they had the 20 years together though yeah. um and then at that time my father became president of the company gotcha mm-hmm. so and maybe just go back a little bit with your dad that must have been really tough right hey i'm a Bowdoin grad i've been in the army i was working for dupont and i got all this really great experience chemistry major right and here i am starting ground level with the company that my dad owns. Mm-hmm. I think in today's day and age, man, that's a that's a tough thing because there's a sense of entitlement, right? As this, hey, my my dad is this, so I'm automatically gonna be the manager and I'm gonna be, you know, upper executive management in this company. Kind of a very kind of humbling grounding story, right? Is someone that just said, Hey, I I'm I'm here to work. I wanna know everything there is know about this organization, this, this mm-hmm. business my dad's built, to be able to come in with all those credentials and and kind of get to I'm gonna know everything I need to know and soak it all up. And it's just really all, all things I need to know to run the organization, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Ben. And I, I think I think part of our success is that uh, my father's a very modest man. And, you know, he's always said, look, I put my pants on the same way every day as everyone else does. And that's one leg at a time, right? So, you know, he even, a lot of people say, Mr. Ware, he's like, please call me John. Yeah. You know, call me John. And I, and I find it true for myself too, like coming as a female into a dominated male dominated industry is like, gosh, how am I going to do this when I'm starting out managing men that are mm. like in their 70s, you know, anywhere from their 20s to the 70s. And I'm, you know, in my mid 20s. And, and, and I think looking back at it, the, the thing for me, and I think I think I can say it's true for my father, too, is that you got to gain the respect of the people. And it's not about the positions. It's not about mm-hmm. the title. It's about in a family business, it's it's you need to learn the business. You need to understand it. But you're not better or above anybody. You, you might have more responsibility. And obviously sure, right. you do and a lot yeah. more stress. But at the same time, being very modest about things and, and humble about and, you know, working alongside our people. And I think, you know, very different from a corporate structure, mm. um, by all means that, you know, there's things that we just can't delegate to other people because there's nobody to delegate it that's to, right? right? You've you know, got to be a master of everything, right? Yeah. And that's part of, that's part of a family business is that, is that you do what it takes. You know, you surround yourself with a really dynamic team who cares and we try to get our people to say like look you know we want you to treat this business like it's yours we want you to own it mm-hmm. and i think that's you know part of my father's success through the years was that hey this this job isn't beneath me and mm-hmm. and actually he loved it my dad's a very mechanical guy he loves very social man and uh he really enjoyed those times because he knew he was doing something that was productive it was a job that that needed to be done, and it was it was helping the company and helping taking care of the customers. So, uh, can you walk through? Obviously, we have you know your your grandfather passed in 1978, and your dad. Uh, you know, I won't use won't use the word thrust because it's you know 20 years of of transition, right? Is mm-hmm. for him to get into that seat of becoming the president, but it's very different when you are in that seat, mm-hmm. right? Is it's one thing to observe it, another thing to actually be practicing as that position. So, where was the business at that point? In terms of the size, right? Is it maybe it's just size, whether it be employees or or reach or or whatever. But how did your dad kind of get into the role, evolve with the business over time, over his career? Like, how can you walk us through 1978 until um, until he retired? 
Yeah, I I think for my father, the the probably the largest transition part of it is going from knowing the mechanical piece of the business really well, knowing the trucks well, knowing you know the process of the supply chain and getting the products you know from the terminals, knowing the heating systems inside and out. I mean, just and taking a lot of pride and being able to fix basically anything, mm-hmm. everything and anything. <laughs> Still to this day, he's, he's very good at that. And to get into the management aspect of it and the operations and the insurances and the taxes and the, you know, the finances and decisions that impact everybody, you know, and, and um, salaries. I mean, you name it. There's all these things that that you kind of have to be a jack of all trade, mm. master of none. Mm-hmm. And so that part of it, I think, was probably the hardest transition transition like for my father. But what he did is he had two men that he really delegated a lot of the responsibilities to. He relied on them heavily, and he basically let them empower them to do basically their jobs. And I think that's really important in, in any business, mm-hmm. and especially in a smaller family business, that you have to empower people and to make those decisions and support them to back it up that look this is this is our this is our belief this is our mission this is a vision of where we want to go and then let people do their jobs you know and not micromanage them and instill that confidence in them so he surrounded himself with a good team and that uh, they saw a lot of changes through the years you know with the energy crisis and you know they got into selling wood stoves back in the 80s and i mean obviously the technology has changed the mm-hmm. the business so much mm-hmm. in you know the econo- economic times dealing with all the different changes in the economy and trying to survive i mean our business uh today is very much different than what it was back then because of the changes we've seen a lot of acquisitions in the market and okay. now our companies the majority of our competition both on the energy side and the store side is that we're competing against out-of-state companies and out-of-the-country companies right and getting right back to the service like that my father used to provide you know back in his his time frame is that that service i think is still today what really sets us apart mm-hmm. from a lot of those other companies because Sure. You know, if you're calling Canada and you need a service call, yeah. you know, do they really know where you're located? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that and that's the theme, you know, I think maybe nationally is this this idea of just consolidation anyway, right? Is, you know, you're dealing with bigger and bigger organizations all the time, whether it be from banking or, or whatever industry. So it gets very impersonal when you start getting into this idea of, hey, I, I, I my interactions with a call center, right? And, and they're in wherever mm-hmm. and they're dispatching somebody that I don't know either, which is, you know, creating great opportunities in this day and age for small businesses mm-hmm. to have those relationships, right? So our, mm-hmm. our pressure needs to be that, hey, we know our neighbors, we know, you know, their their kids' names, and we know that they're on the softball team and all those things, you know, and, and that's a community business stuff. And I, I think that's what's really fun about maybe just small business, but also Maine. And mm-hmm. again, I know we're doing retirement success in Maine. And Maine is such a small place anyway, mm-hmm. right? Is that, you know, you and I talk a lot is, hey, you can go up to Presque Isle, you can go to Portland and you run into somebody that you know. Mm. You know, you go to Western Maine and Farmington and you're like, well, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. And you see people, it's just, and it's mm-hmm. very friendly. And it's just, you know, there's very few uh, degrees of separation across the state. So, you know, even though we're in Rockland today, and, you know, Curtis and I are sitting in Bangor, we have offices in Portland, and, and, you know, you cover the state, but it's just you can go anywhere and you're you're running into each other. Yeah, yeah, it's really neat. It's fun. When I lived out in Seattle back in 1999, I lived out there for two years. And, you know, I liked it. I liked it. It was a great area. But one of the things that I kind of felt back at that age, like just getting out of college is like, it's like everybody knew who I was, like, from the family business or from playing uh, basketball in college. And it was almost like kind of escaping and just being a number for for a chance and for a different time. And, you know, you could roll out of bed in the morning, go to the grocery store, and you wouldn't see a soul that you knew. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't really care what you looked like or anything. And uh, but I found over time over that couple of years is like, you know what, I really miss bumping into people. I really miss yeah. seeing people in the community and knowing the community and, and being so involved in the community. And I it is funny because over time I was like, wow, I really miss that aspect of it. Which back when I left there I was kind of escaping that. Sure. Right. And then it's like, no, that's that's part of where I want to be. Like because I want to be involved in the community and I want to know the community. And so when I decided to come back home it was i knew that that i was this is where i wanted to be so 
and to that point, right, and, and your dad kind of had that too, right, is he, he kind of obviously was at Dow, you know, in the army. You know, there, there must have been some of that gravity back to him, right, to kind of come back to his, his father and this business, right? Because yeah. I, I think in Maine, you have to have this be a choice, right? Is That's right. That's right. Seasons are hard at times, right? right? right. Is, <laughs> and, and the economic times are can be a little harder. Mm-hmm. So you got to, we all kind of have a grit to us, right? That mm-hmm. we're trying to work through these things. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the fun thing is I, I think we're all in it together and we kind of have this uh, locked arms that's thing right. that we all stand together and help each other. That's right. Mentality. Yeah, absolutely. So, but, you know, for your dad kind of getting into the business and then working through in his career, I, I think that's a remarkable thing you said about him trusting people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a, that's a really difficult thing that small business owners do is they, they have difficulty scaling because they have difficulty trusting, mm-hmm. right? That they, they don't trust the team around them or, you know, they, they, it is tough to find people that you can surround yourself with and, and around that have the skills that complement what you're trying to do. And they, you're, you're looking to them for expertise. That's, that's, um, that's a hard thing. So I, that's a, that's a really commendable trait that your dad had maybe early on of recognizing who he could surround himself with, especially in, in Maine. It's, it's sometimes fi- tough to find talent. Yeah, that's right. And, and you realize you can't do it alone, right? I mean, yeah. no matter, no matter what company it is that you're working for, what job that you're doing, it's that you need that support of your teammates or say of your coworkers. Yeah. And we're, like you said, we're in it together. I like to say to people here, look, we make decisions as a team, you know, our heads together are better than me just saying, this is what we're going to do. Sure, sure. And when others are involved in the decision-making, then they buy into it and they're part of the solution to what we're doing. And they're also part of a part of the plan. Mm. You know, we, one of our gals here, she always says poor plan, it makes for poor performance. And that's so true. That's mm-hmm. so true. So, you know, one of the parts of trying to continue to have a viable business is to have a plan in place. And and you got to have the people that that you can trust and that are passionate for what they do just as much as as we are. So within your, your, your dad's time managing the organization, one of the things that happened, right, it was really more of a entree into convenience stores at that point? Was that was that a big change that had happened during his tenure or was that more of yours? Th- that was a big change during my father's time. Yep. And yep. so he got into the convenience store business uh, back in 1985. The first store was actually ironically down in Newcastle. Okay. And right. yeah, and it's, it's grown And for those since. that don't know where Newcastle is relative to, obviously we're on in a uh, mid-coast area, Camden, Rockland, how far away is Newcastle to Rockland? Oh, Newcastle's like 25 minutes. Yeah, so, south of here, it's in Lincoln County. So if you're going you're to Jamestown. start your first convenience store, probably the, the first thought would be, well, why don't you just open it up right down the street so you can keep an eye on it to figure it out? So why was Newcastle 25 minutes away the the one to, to pick on to, to open? Well, he, he, knew the, he knew the owner. Okay. And the couple had a furniture store here locally in town, and it just transpired that way that he he was looking to to get out of you know having a market down there, so it was a great opportunity for okay. my father. And and basically the decision was made to branch off and to diversify into the convenience stores because with the energy business is very seasonal. Of course, we're very busy from October through April, but mm-hmm. then then it you know drops right off. And so the idea is to keep people employed year round and to diversify to have something else going on that complements the energy business. And with the convenience stores, it made sense because the peak season, of course, is the summertime when the tourists are in town. It's just completely the opposite, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, and we're very dependent, of course, on the locals because that's what the locals are, you know, who keep us in business. But they complement each other well because then we're selling the gasoline to the stores. Mm-hmm. We're delivering it. So we control that part of the market as far as, you know, not having competition in selling to those locations that are kind of in our backyard. But also, too, uh, is to be able to keep people employed around and so it's in the keep that cash flow you know from a financial aspect keeping right. the cash flow coming um 12 months a, a year so and it's great like our drivers technicians will have them do some work in the stores carpentry work or painting mm. things like that and it's great they love it it changes it up and it's something different for them and and uh works out well what would you uh what would you say your your grandfather roland would be thinking about that change right so because you know, 78 to, to 85, right? So your dad obviously took him some time to figure out that was the market he wanted to get into for the for that complimentary reason. What do you think your grandfather would, would have thought about that 
change if it's another line of business? I think my grandfather would would have been very proud of my father because yeah. that's a big step to take. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a large risk. You're getting into a totally different animal than the energy business. Mm. I mean, the retail business is totally different, even right down to the way the accounting works, you know, from percentage basis versus cents per gallon basis. I sure. mean, it's so, so different. And I think you'd be really proud of my father. There's no question. I, I have a lot of history from my family. I have a lot of uh, my grandfather's writings back from like the 50s. I have a lot of his different journals that he kept for the business. And one of the things that I've learned is that he was very much passionate and very thought so much about the importance of growing that the business must grow. And so that's something that my father my father did well is that he grew the business. And I consequently have always felt that you have to grow or go Mm -hmm. because if you don't grow, you're going to get eaten up by these larger companies. Yeah. And so we've had a lot of acquisitions over the years because it's made sense for the company, but it's enabled us to continue to grow. Now, maybe switching to you here a little bit, right? Is so your your dad's in in this seat, right, and overseeing this organization, and you're growing up. So, and so it, as you're kind of maybe growing up, can you talk about your experience of as I'm growing up in and around this business? How has that been? And and then you have siblings as well. Again, kind of what happened to your father then kind of happened to you, right? Is, is kind of you you kind of coming back in the business. So can you give us that arc, right? Is growing up around it in it, your feelings and attitudes towards it, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is this something that, again, you wanted to get away, mm-hmm. but being around it and whether that was going to be a possibility eventually for you to, to come back. Yeah, well, yeah. growing up, that's a great question. Yeah. Growing up, I used to come <laughs> to the office with my father on Saturday mornings and it was a thing I'd come in and I was just a young girl and I'd always look under the vending machines. <laughs> I was looking for coins under there, right? Yeah. You know, people are going to get something to eat or they used to have back then they would um, have coffee that came in poker cups, you know, out of uh, the vending machine, yeah. Yeah. hot chocolate yeah. or coffee. Yeah. But I always like get a flashlight and peek under there. And we had fun as kids just running around the office and, yeah. you know, looking at people's desks. And it was it was kind of a, you know, back then it was more my father just dragging us to the office. But when we got there, we were so happy to be there. And it's kind of fun now because my boys love coming into the office and they're always asking who's going to be here. And, you know, they go around and see people and whatnot, but they enjoy it. But so... So it's it's one of those things growing up in it, I never anticipated actually being involved in the in the company as far as like employment goes. Sure. I had actually thought I was going to go more towards the medical uh, field. And then when I was in college, I decided to study business administration. And then I had, you know, a feeling then that it might be something that would work out. So I started kind of going that avenue. And then and I, along the way, just to interrupt for a second, was, was there any pressure from your dad, right? Or, no. or did you feel maybe, maybe not just communicated directly to you, but maybe there's an indirect pressure, right? Of, well, yeah. hey, my grandfather started this, then here's my dad in it. And like, well, you know, again, yeah. there's, there's yeah. this force, right? It feels like or a gravity or yeah. weight on you yeah. of, should I be going into this thing? Yeah, I, I think there's indirect pressure. Absolutely. Sure. I knew my father needed help. Um, he had always said, you know, it's very lonely at the top. And that's so true. Like it is because like you just can't bounce a lot of issues off of, you know, people that you work with. I mean, you want to have a team that you, that like a senior management team that we have now that we do bounce issues off, but you deal with a lot of, you have a lot of responsibilities that are things that you have to take care of that other people in the company aren't able to do. And the ultimate liability lies, you know, with the owner. Mm, sure. Um, it's a different company. role. Yeah. So it's a whole different, it's a whole different role. Absolutely. And so I went out West and I kind of coming out of college, my dream job was work, to work for Exxon, you know, okay. you know, at that point, <laughs> growing up in the energy, in the oil business. And I met a, met a man, Rick Trout, actually back in 99, when I was with my parents at a, a main oil dealers convention up in St. Andrews, New Brunswick. And come to find out, um, he tried me down when I was out in Seattle and he said look and he worked for mobile and he said hey Susan he said I know you had this interest when we sat at the dinner table together and Exxon and mobile are actually merging and I'm taking an early retirement so I have no say and and or no leverage basically in getting you a position with a company but I could put your resume in the hands of the right people well I was happy out west and um, I really enjoyed it out there 
I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll pursue it. So I went through the whole interviewing process. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually got offered a job with ExxonMobil. And they offered me, I could either choose Connecticut, Boston, or Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. I had the choice. So, and the salary they offered me was quite impressive. So my father says, oh my God, <laughs> she's <laughs> never going to come home now. Yeah, right. She's <laughs> like on a track. I, like I told her to go explore, go work for someone else. But now she's really never coming back. Like, yeah. you know, he thought I'd go to Portland or Boston. When I ended up in Seattle, he's like, oh, my gosh, you couldn't go any further away pretty much. And, and how conflicting that country. must be for him, right, is he's saying, boy, wouldn't that be great to have Susan, my daughter, here with me? But, you know, and I'm happy for her as, you know, as I want her to be independent. Yeah. I want her to yeah. grow. I want her to go on this track and have a great career success. But mm-hmm. that must be a that must have been tough for him to, to witness as well and uh Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things that it, that they say timing is so important, you know, Mm -hmm. and kind of time is everything. And it was one of those things, if I got off that job coming out of college, there'd be no question I would have taken it. Mm -hmm. And then my father's older, a little bit older, you know, as a, as a parent. And so I was like, boy, you know, maybe it's time to come back home and start learning the business from my father. I, I missed my family. I knew I wanted to come back at that point and be involved in the family business and, and give it a try and see if it was a good fit for everybody. But it was like, oh, this is a dream job of mine. And my father said, he said, look, Susan, he said, you know, I'll support you in whatever decision you make. I'd love to have you come back to the business. He says, I can't compete with that salary. And but it's your it's your decision. And and ultimately, you know, it wasn't about the money. Mm-hmm. It was about like being back with my family. I figured that if I had five years with my father to overlap, we'd be very fortunate. Mm-hmm. What year was this? At this um, I came back in 2001. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so, so I figured if we had five years, you know, we'd be fortunate and actually 18 years in now. So we got, we got lucky. We got, we got lucky as far as that goes, as far as, as far as having so much time to be with each other. Yeah. And I feel very blessed because I see my father every day. We have a wonderful relationship, but I am uh, very fortunate to have him as a mentor along with Tom Hayes, who was our controller of the company okay. um, for over 20 years to teach me the business. And so that that was more important for me is to be with my family and the family business and working for a large, you know, corporation. Uh, obviously, the, you he knew kind of you coming back into the organization at that point that you were you were stepping in to eventually have a leadership role. That was part of the conversation. I take it at that stage. Yeah, at that at that point, it was the company was growing, but there were multiple people trying to do some of the same tasks. Okay. And so I worked in insurance in Seattle. So the, the first easy thing was to take over the insurance. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I took over that, kind of got that where it needed to be. And then it just started digging into the different departments. And the first department that I managed was the service department. And and getting that really kind of straightened out and on the right path. And, and then eventually just started managing more departments and my father was like so happy to have help and you know there's a level of comfort knowing that you have a family member in the business and that he he wasn't alone anymore I mean he was alone for 20 years well excuse me more than 20 years he was he was with his father um, for 20 years and then actually it'd be 23 years that he was alone so that's a long time. You know, that's a long yeah. time to only be the only person, you know, and in as the you family. Said, technology is changing every day, right? The business is changing. The how you manage people and their mm-hmm. attitudes towards working is changing a lot. It, so you're you're trying to stay up on everything yourself while you're running the day to day. So it is a little very difficult to and just us personally with our industry, it is this, this idea you you got to get your head above the clouds a little bit and look around the horizon, right? And yeah, say, well, yeah. how, where are things? What are other people doing? And what lessons can I learn? So, which is probably in things happen for a reason. There's some serendipity that, ha- right, that happens right. at times. Is, yeah. you know, here's Susan that just had really great experiences out West, saw a large organization, how that was being run, able to you know, get educated in, in Southern Maine as well, bring these ideas into our organization. Because as you said, you know, you go from 40 years running an organization on a certain path, it feels like you know, in most organizations, you need the right leader at the right time, mm-hmm. right? Is you need the entrepreneur to be the one that starts the business. But at some point, they're good at starting businesses, right? That's what they've learned. And that's what they're really good at. They might not be really great at scaling it to the next level. And then once they get to the next level, that's scaling it even more. So it's, which is fascinating, I think, from your story, Susan, uh, with with your family, is that it feels like you've you've been 
the right person to lead the organization at the right time. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. You know, just uh, from an external party observing it is is that you know you could because you could get tired, and then I think the people would feel that, and your employees are not going to be energized by it. They're not in, but you have a really great family environment, but you're also looking to always grow, mm-hmm. you know, always bring it and applying new ideas to it. So kind of a cool little thread, and as you're as you're seeing that arc of your of the generations there so i but i want to go back to because again this this idea is retirement success in maine Mm -hmm. so how did your dad struggle with that right is here he is he has you in the fold and he's thinking about his own well at some point i'm going to retire and and this is maybe a new concept where he's you know he's seeing the pattern back to his father well his father didn't really experience retirement right as he passed away in that role uh, yeah. so this is it's a new a, invention right yeah. for him is yeah. so how did how did he go through that and how did what's what's and it might be emotionally difficult for him of how he kind of removed but how was that transition again from him in that seat out finding his own success away from the business yeah i it's that's tough you know it's a, it's a tough transition to go through i i hear from a lot of people that that a lot of people struggle with that and i can see why i mean it's basically letting go it's like letting go of your baby in a sense like it's letting go of control of i of of what you've been known for too and that identity like you mentioned mentioned before ben you know that's the identity that you have and then you get to the retirement age and it's like okay what what's my purpose you know, what's my purpose in life? What is my self-worth? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you want to have, you want to, you want to be productive member of society. You want to do something that you feel like you're contributing. And, but like, okay, I'm not so much needed in the business anymore because Susan's got a, got a handle on it. And so that, that definitely has, has been challenging. And so I try to keep him busy through the years with different <laughs> projects. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, usually he gives them back to me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things too that I, you know, my dad he's done his time, and from the beginning, back from two thousand one, I said, Dad, whatever it was, give it to me. Let me take care of it. Mm-hmm. And I've really tried really hard over the years. Like I, I've one of my goals between my father and myself is to reduce his stress, to try to have him do things that bring joy to his life, to not have him have to deal with challenging business issues like let me take care of those and let him get out there and be you know be very involved in rotary and the Alice Transportation Museum mm-hmm. and the Rockland Historical Society and things like that that he really enjoys yeah. where it's important to have that face in the community he's so great at all those things he loves it enjoys the people and let me take care of the business part of it and because of the trust that he has in me he's been really pleased to be able to let go of those business responsibilities because you know it's he's done his time and i want to kind of go a, a slightly different way here for a second and, and you, lo- you lost your mom some time ago and i know that must have been a tough challenge for him too right as he's exiting from the business and your mother's not there too so how, finding your own self right and and going well the partner i thought i was going to have during these times where mm-hmm. i was going to be separated now those are going to be times we're going to do things together how did he navigate that part that that's been very difficult i my mom was 9 years younger than my father and uh, we never expected her to pass you know first we always thought naturally my father being older that mm-hmm. he would probably pass first when you know he became an old man and you know so my mom passed at 67 of cancer and it it really is it's been very difficult like my we're very close family my mother was the rock you know other family like so many mothers are and I anticipated they'd be off traveling and you know having fun and doing things that a couple would would naturally do in retirement and just having a grand old time together and so then all of a sudden when you know my mom is no longer here it's like what does my father do you know because I mean they were married for for 41 years and so and they did everything together Mm -hmm. so it's been a real it's been very difficult very difficult and and I you know when you look at like with your uh, 401k financial plans when you have the terminology safe harbor yeah like I use the term safe harbor 
for our family business. Like Maritime, the office is a safe harbor mm-hmm. for my father. And yeah. I'm so thankful that he has this place to go to. If he feels like coming into the office and checking his emails and getting a cup of coffee and walking around and, and seeing people and just, you know, it's it's his safe harbor. He has a place to get up to come to every day. And so I feel very fortunate for that because not everybody has that mm-hmm. to go to every day. But that's thankfully for that reason too to you know give myself my father something to do yeah well and, a place to go to you know other than McDonald's or <laughs> yeah well, and I, you know I, those places I want to give you a plug too on this because um, you know I I've been again tangentially involved with kind of seeing the organization grow over time and one of the things I like about the family environment that you guys have is you know here you had a a, a family tragedy with your mom and 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 losing her to cancer but what is what does your family do about it but not only will it's an extension of your family is this business and your employees and and your customers and how they're all impacted by it is that it was felt by everybody and and kind of again this whole main idea is that you all rallied around that and you created a, a 501c3 nonprofit uh, energy with the number four life and creating fundraisers around cancer research and cancer supporting uh, of families that are, are been afflicted with the same uh, illnesses and then having a, a walk that you just had recently for for your mom as well the, mm-hmm. the 5k right so so Karen's walk right 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 so it's just been fun to not only just see that you did it, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's tough to just do that and you go, look, we're busy. We're running our business. We don't really have to do these things. And if we did it, maybe it's, well, because we're we're, we're thinking about our mom when we're doing it. Mm-hmm. But it's been everybody's cause. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. been kind of the cool thing. And you know, and Curtis and I have played in the scramble yeah. several times. Mm-hmm. And it was a fantastic, which is just great that you're playing golf, but you're you're in it and you're thinking about those people that are, you know, have have been stricken by cancer or they've had their lives touched by cancer and the money that you're raising here and you've raised how much money? We've in the last seven years, we've donated over $121,000 to the Maine Cancer Foundation. And we've helped numerous a lot of families here in Maine with our energy for life program, which helps families that are impacted by cancer. Thank you, Ben. I my um, it's one of those things like my mom when she was when she was still alive, we got talking is just is it it was terrible, terrible place to be in. And you know, we just never expected her to get so ill, you know, and she was kind of like the perfect patient that would do her all the test in and keep up mm-hmm. on everything and do everything she was supposed to do. And uh, and she was misdiagnosed. So when she was finally diagnosed, it basically was stage four colon cancer. And it was like, I remember saying to my mom, I was like, oh, just thank God you don't have cancer. Whatever it is, we'll get it figured out. You know, like, just thank God it's not cancer. And then three doctors had actually said she didn't have cancer. So we believed them. Sure. You know, yeah. why wouldn't you believe them, right? right. You usually tend to trust your doctor. And uh, so it really, it really shook us hard. And so here my mom is really ill and we're talking about like just you know like gosh it's just you know it's you know trying to keep trying to keep her spirits up the best we could and everything and she was such a strong woman and it's like you know maybe we can do something to help other people and she said you know she goes and we she says maybe that you as our family can do something to help other people so someday this doesn't other people don't go through what we've been through mm-hmm. and that's exactly what she said like you know maybe someday other families won't have to go through what we've been through and i was like wow i mean how powerful and how unselfish yeah exactly. you know for my mother to hear she is dying and to be thinking about other people and it was like oh my word and so we got talking and we came out she had the energy for life like you would never even know right to the end that she had cancer i mean we used to go to New York City for a clinical trial. <laughs> We'd fly down there and the doctors down there, they couldn't believe it. They're like, how is this woman even physically getting down here? And they were just like totally blown away that how is this woman like even coming down here and then shopping seven floors at Macy's afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> like this can't be so. Uh, but it was. And so she had the energy for life. And that's where energy for life came from. And um, so I need to pause it there because I did not even realize that that was the entendre of the of the name, right? Because oh, I was thinking yeah. energy for life was you being fuel, right? Yeah. Is, yeah. That, that's a no. fantastic story. Yeah, it was my mother's, uh, she had the energy for life, yeah. you know, and, and she obviously didn't want to be in the place that she was in, sure, you know, right. and we didn't want her to be, of course. And so, and then with our logo, the star represents faith, mm. uh, purple, the ribbon is purple, which represents all types of cancer. And and then the anchor is symbolic of the family business. And so all of our, our fleet, we have a fleet of over 100 vehicles now, and our fleet has a ribbon on all of it to 
bring awareness. And then we started the Energy for Life nonprofit, which helps the local families that are impacted by cancer. And we, we've helped people from four years old to in their 70s. And boy, as we all know, I mean, like you said, Ben, the thing is, nowadays, everyone can relate. Everybody has been touched by cancer, mm-hmm, um, yep. either family or, or friends. And it's it's a cause that everybody everybody relates to because we all have our own story. And it's nice that we have the support from our community and our business partners to be able to make a difference together. Yeah. You sure. know, in our community. Yeah. So it's again kind of a it's, it was a really powerful thing that you guys did as a as a family, right? And I didn't even realize the origin story from mm-hmm. your mom's side was was it was the generation of the idea. But how how great it is to see that continue to grow mm-hmm. and and reshape its purpose and continue mm-hmm. to just yeah. be impactful to the people yeah. in, in the state of Maine. Yeah, thank you. It it was really my mother's vision. And yeah. then we just we made it happen, you know, really in honor of our mother. And it's uh, feels good to be able to help other people. You know, it's tough at the same point, because emotions are are flying, you know, yeah. I can see I can see when um, a lot of people do fundraisers and do different events and have annual events, and eventually they stop them, you know, at certain time periods. And you know, I can see why because it brings back the emotions of of everything that we deal with it every day but uh, you know have it out there in the community and more public about it you know it, it's tough but it's a way to we know the need is great and so we know we can't stop because the amount of requests that we're getting and every year are growing we know the wonderful work that the mean cancer foundation is doing and all the impact that they've been able to to have in the state of maine and you know it's it's part of keeping my mom's memory alive mm-hmm. you know for for the family it's like you know i i find i talk a lot about mom every day really to people but at the events you know sharing stories about mom with family members and friends of hers and all that and that's really nice you know i like to i like to hear those stories and what, I, what i like about that is also this idea of we all have our own personal ideas of retirement success right and we go oh well it's going to be great because we're going to travel and we're going to do all the fun stuff right and and sometimes life gives you curveballs and you mm-hmm. don't know when mm-hmm. things you know we're we're all mortal and things are going to end at some point but to this idea of you know you know your your mom's idea of retirement success in the middle of getting cancer treatment and shopping mm-hmm. at Macy's was having an energy to for life right and to and to per- perpetuate that and I want to see other people have this energy and be able to do things is to kind of say you know her idea of retirement success was was that right is is I want to see people living that dream even if they are ha- having cancer or they are mm-hmm. having other things that are affecting them so kind of a, a, a it's a different purpose of of what we're talking about but I wanted to make sure that that was a key piece of it because. It's it's not only just that your dad was was part of this business, but you know, for small business, there's always families that are going through things together. Even if you're not running the business, you're supporting it in other ways, like your mom right. was, and holding right. it together. That's and she right. had ideas that then changed, and and kind of you guys taking that dream and seeing her retirement success continue to work. So mm-hmm. kind of a, I love that thread. I thought mm-hmm. that was a really powerful thing you said there. Yeah, and I think I think it's um, true in life for people, but the whole mind over matter. And they told us even down at the New York Cancer Center. NYU Cancer Center, they said that's medically proven to have a direct effect on the immune system. And, mm-hmm. and we all know that, but yep. but I saw it with my mother. She lived much longer than what she was anticipated to to live. And there's no doubt whatsoever that it was because of her her attitude. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. We went down there. We flew down. We'd fly out of Portland, one of the little jumper planes. We flew down there Monday. We'd see the doctor Tuesday morning. And she was like a celebrity down there. The nurses, everybody's like, oh, so what are you doing this time? And how are <laughs> Yeah, you know, and other than a lady from Israel, she was the furthest that that came to the NYU Cancer Center. And so we had fun with all them. And the doctor was wonderful down there, the oncologist. And then we'd do something fun. So yeah. we flew in one Monday night and we she's like, I want to go see, want to go to a Broadway show. I'd like to go Phantom of the Opera. And I was like, oh, well, that sounds fun. Well, we got out of there and like, you know, we just flown down that day. I was like so exhausted. It was like a wonderful show. And we get out of there and it was like 1030, quarter 11 at night. She's like, okay, what do you want to do now, Suze? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, like, I'm thinking in my head, go to bed. Right? <laughs> I was like, whatever you want, Bob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, here's the one, you know, who was battling cancer, you know, very ill, even though looking at her, you know, with her energy levels, you would never anticipate it. But that was really, you know, that's something I think about a lot, because it just shows like, you know, you think, you know, how important your mind is, Mm -hmm. and, and having positivity, and, you know, just an optimistic outlook, and things like that, and how important is to your overall health and mentality. 
So experiencing all that, right, and seeing where your dad is today and, and seeing how your mom lived her life, how is that impacting you in terms of your idea of retirement success? Because again, you saw your dad kind of transition away from the business. Again, he's still tangentially involved and in, in kind of around it. But how do you kind of, again, fast forwarding yourself in the future here? And, and how do you see yourself being involved with uh, Maritime Energy uh, as, a, as an organization? How is that really impacted to your retirement success definition? One of the things my husband and I, um, Charlie, and fortunately, he became involved in the business back in 2011. And so it's nice to have him here. And he's he's made a, a huge uh, impact in the in the business and how uh, we operate. And, and so it's nice, it's nice to be able to work together. We've talked about like when we would like to be able to retire, sort of say, it's one of those things that, okay, here's, you should have a goal, like here is when you want to be financially stable, when you think you would be able to retire. And then when you get to that point, you decide, are you ready to retire or not? And we've tried to, you know, figure out as far as like, whether you're ready or not, you want to be able to invest and have the money to be able to, if you want to, obviously we know with life, things can change where, sure. you know, illnesses or, or, or what, but to try to obviously keep the, the family business successful, you know, until that point. And then with us, we have two young sons, uh, one is six and one is seven. So they're just little guys, <laughs> but our hope is someday that they may have an interest. Um, one of our boys, our youngest wants to drive a fuel truck and oh, our oldest wants go. my job. Yeah. Well, you're good then. <laughs> so they've got, they've got had already figured out, <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. I mean, and I will do the same thing that my grandfather did to my father and my father did to me is that, you know, there won't be any direct pressure, but my husband and I want to give our boys the opportunity if they want the opportunity. Mm-hmm. If, if they don't, no issues. I want our boys to follow their dreams, follow what they're passionate about, what they want to do in life, you know, because I think that's really important. You need to be happy, right? For I mean, sure. whatever you do, you have sure. to be happy. Life is too short not to be, you know, and if they're not interested, then at that point we decide, you know, what what the future holds. Um, if they are interested, then, then I foresee ourselves staying on a little bit longer to make sure that, you know, they are properly groomed and then can kind of take over the reins of the business. And what's, what's kind of neat about, uh, obviously, all this has changed from last maybe 20 years, you know, being involved like you have here is, you know, the family structures don't need to change either, right? It's, it's like, well, if I don't have that generation, it used to be, well, I had to go sell to that larger corporation or, or find a, find an acquisition person to come in and, and take this mm-hmm. off my hands. And that's not the case. There's lots of different ways to, you know, either be ESOPs and other things that can happen to kind of keep that, mm-hmm. what the culture that you've built, right? Is you don't want to, you know, th- there's pressure, I think, from anybody if you're in any organization of like, well, I don't want to ruin what we've built over, you know, the generations of being here. So it's it's kind of nice that you kind of go in there. From if I was to kind of go to this idea of what if you're designing your uh, dust jacket, if you're you're at, you're at your book, right? Mm-hmm. And you got the last chapter of your book and you're at the dust jacket of all right, Susan and Charlie, your husband were able to do like in retirement, what would what, what would you kind of vision that to be? Like what would be like, hey, I, we were able to do these five things and that that allowed us to be fulfilled with kind of being at peace with who we were at the end of our retirement? Well, I, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is that if one of our boys um, or if both of them are interested, I've always felt like I started in the family business when I was 24 years old. Ironically, it was the same age my father was at 24 years mm-hmm. old. Oh, really? wow. And I've always said, like, you know, if I if I can keep the family business alive, and now my husband and I have together, if we can keep this this business uh, successful and have something to leave to our sons, then I'll look back at my career and say that I was successful. That that's how I personally, mm-hmm. um, just a personal thing, and sure, you yeah. know, people may think like, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're a steward, but, right? But it's yeah. a it's a personal thing to to be able to say, okay, like here, if you want it, it's you know, it's yours basically. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'll look at my, 
at my back of my career and say whether I was successful or not is to keep this, you know, have something for the next generation. As we know, family businesses, like the third generation, the last I knew, it's like 6% of family businesses make it to the third generation. And I'm 18 years in, so obviously it's a lot, lot lower than 6%. Sure, yeah. You know, the yeah. fourth generation is obviously stat. even lower than that. Yep. You know, and, you know, hopefully we'll get a time, a chance to do some more, f- you know, fun things. And, you know, right now we're just running crazy. And <laughs> between um, the kids' school and school activities and ball games and all that, which is fun. I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. There's there's things I like. I like to fly fish. I like to spend okay. some more time fly fishing. You know, and just spend more time, I guess, kind of relaxing. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't really know what that is. I have a hard time relaxing. But, you know, just if we want to do something, have the means to do it. It's it's not that. I've, I've always wanted to go to Alaska. And I've always wanted to go to Bermuda. Those are two places that, that are kind of on my bucket list to, to do. Um, you know, and hopefully we'll get the opportunity. And if, yeah. if we can take our boys along with us, that's, you know, that's even better. But I, you know, it's one of those things that, like, I think it's a lot different with a family business than when you work for somebody else because when you're in a family business it's so important like in the succession and what's going to happen there's so much work that has to be done Mm -hmm. to figure that out and you know what are the wishes of people what what do you want to see happen how what is the health of the company what's the competition doing you know and and people say that like every business is for sale for the right price and and while that may be true that hasn't been the case for us I mean we get asked all all the time. Mm-hmm. I had a guy call me up not too long ago and he goes, oh, well, there's a rumor going around and that you're in discussions with someone. And I said, well, I, I said, well, I guess I'm going to know the answer like to your question, you know, because right. he came right to me to ask me. Right. And I said, no, we're not for sale. That that what you're hearing is is definitely a rumor. We're not in discussions with anybody and we don't plan to be. So thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you respectfully for asking. But it's one of those, you know, for us, for us to keep the business in the family is important because I look back to my grandfather's time, like to if to if we sold out to a large corporation from Canada, mm-hmm. from Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, or these other out-of-state companies, Chicago. I mean, there, there's a lot of companies in Maine that appear to be from Maine and they're not. Mm-hmm. They're owned by a company mm-hmm. from out of state. I just mentioned a couple of the places mm-hmm. in out of, out of Canada, but that would depersonalize what we stood for, yeah. for the 80 years that we've been in business, you know, and, and that's knowing our customers and being involved in our community and taking care of, like you said, taking care of each other. I mean, there's, there's a real, just, it's a very caring feeling, I guess, and a real sentiment to be able to have the ability to, to do that. And if we sold to a large corporation, our employees would become a number, mm-hmm, our right. customers would become a number. And we know the money wouldn't go back into the community that we donate now to the community. And we don't want that to happen. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's commendable, it's noble and all of that. But you go, there's, there's so much pressure from all, all the small business owners out there in the state of Maine is is that is well hey there's there's fat checks awaiting you if you ever wanted it just go take it and cash it and call it a day, mm-hmm. but you know you, you're standing for something more and and that this is there's just things that aren't for sale right and, right. and that that's kind of what I I really loved about that whole story is yeah you know, there's so many things that we want to accomplish as a family and we want to get to that point and and just by if we go that road we've you know we've cashed those things in mm-hmm. and, and and there's we're, things worth fighting for mm. at the end of the day. And I think that's something where, you know, you don't accomplish all the things you have without fighting for that every day. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a family business. You put your blood, your sweat, you know, your tears into it. You put your heart into it every single day. And, and you got to have that desire. I mean, you got you to gotta have that kind of competitive edge to you in a sense uh, because there is so much to it. It's kind of like getting back to like we talked about earlier. You know, you have to be kind of a jack of all trades, mm-hmm. master or none. You know, a lot of... A lot of people can be become experts in what they do, and they do the same thing over and over, and they become very good at it. And there's a lot of satisfaction that comes out of that. And like my role, the company, it's like I have to be good at so many different things, and you have to learn. Like sometimes you learn the hard way because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you have yeah. no other choice, yeah. you know. But you know, I sometimes I think maybe I should have gone the medical field because at least anatomy doesn't change. <laughs> well, well, I'm joking. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. But no, it's it's one of those things that I, I think for people who work for 
an employer, you can say, okay, I want to retire when I'm 60. I want to retire when I'm 62. I want to retire when I'm 65. Whatever that number may be. I, For me, looking just at our business, I find it harder. Like, yes, we can have the plan. We know in our heads what we want to do, but there's so many obstacles that can kind of change that. So I can't say, hey, when I get to be 62 years old, I'm going right. to walk away from this. Right. Because I may not be able to, and right. I may not want to want to as well. Gotcha. People should plan what they want to see happen and be financially stable by a certain age. And then when you get, when you near in that age, then decide kind of where you're at in life and, yeah. you know, yeah, what your situation is. This concept is. of just being able to be open to it, right, is mm-hmm. that you're, you're not shutting doors on things and you're being so rigid that if those things don't happen, then you're, you don't have success. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, that, again, what, you, what I think you're doing with your business, right, is that it's really fun to see is that, hey, I'm open to things. I can go in a direction by being, have my eyes open and being able to be positioned in that way. So, but Susan, I want to, want to thank you for being on the show today. This is a really fun conversation for us to have. And, um, I, again, learning a lot from, you know, just from what your grandfather experienced in, in, in the business, what your dad experiencing and what you're experiencing today, I think is a really, there's some really great lessons, especially around family, right. And, and around family and, and how much you have to work towards, you know, melding those two worlds together in business and family and making it work. So appreciate you sharing your story. This is really fun. Thank well, you. Well, thank you. Thank you both Curtis and Ben for yeah. having me. This has been great. And I think, I think one of the big things is, you know, communication and having a plan and, you know, talking about those tough issues. I mean, estate planning is another, another challenge with family businesses and mm. um, being open and having, getting things set up, you know, properly to try to keep a business alive and and I think maybe being a female, I have a little edge on that where it's like, well, let's talk about this. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> you stories. Because yeah. sometimes, sometimes, you know, sometimes different generations and don't want to talk about their wishes and what they want to see happen and or they don't know or they get overwhelmed. And I, I you know, I think that's really important in any businesses. You got to have the communication with your team, but you also have the communication with the family. Mm. And so what the desires are can be carried out. That's why we love this podcast too idea, right? Is there's so much about stories, yeah. right? Yeah. Is we all learn from storytelling and that's how, you know, generations on generations that we've, we don't write things down. We just tell that story to the next generation yeah. and, and having this together and having and being a recorded session with us says it's, you know, some of us, we, like I even talked to my wife about this and she's like, I didn't know that you like this or that. And mm-hmm. because you start telling things and you tell people that you don't tell other people mm-hmm. on those stories. And yeah, it's just a, it's a fun medium to kind of get to and not getting, you got to get through the struggle, right? And we all right. Gra- gravitate towards the struggle, how you overcame it and where you are today. Mm-hmm. So yeah. thank you for coming yeah, on. Great, Ben. Thank okay. you. Right, Appreciate Susan, it. Thanks. I was very excited to hear from Susan today. I, I, I've been, I've been friends with Susan for, for quite a few years and, and uh, I, I just, I, I'm just really impressed by her story, her family's story. And I I think you kind of got that today. It was, there's a nice passion that she has for her family business, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I I think when we think about our own kids and, and kind of the, you know, whatever mom and dad are always doing is never cool. Right. Right. So it's, it's, that's the theme of, well, Hey, it must be a really tough thing to get that next generation in. And here she is seeing her, um, obviously just tangentially, her grandfather had passed away while involved in the family business. And then her dad um, uh, kind of retiring from the family business mm. uh, and trusting her with those reins. So kind of a, a, a neat little point. And one of, one of the, the really the purposes of, of having Susan here uh, on, on this podcast today was around this idea of balancing your own retirement success with the needs of the family business that you're in or, or your own, you know, maybe it's a, the first generation of, right. of your business. Because right. it's tough to, I think, find the exit point, right, is to go, well, what if I leave and, you know, I'm the one that maybe was the rainmaker that that kind of caused all these things to happen. And it's tough for me to step away. Yeah. And if I do, am I then... Um, am I sacrificing all those things that I've built? Um, and that, that, I think that's a tough transition point. And I know Susan uh, obviously is stepping in as the third generation here. But that was a lot of the theme and getting that story from her of uh, seeing her dad work through it. And and again, is it in retirement, you know, I think we all have a plan on how things are going to go, mm. right? And and there were there are certain curveballs that, that her family has faced with losing her mom, yeah. right? And, and their plan was that, you know, dad was going to pass away first, right? And, right. and mom lives and that's what, cause that's what happens. Right. 
until it doesn't happen, right? And and that life kind of just flips us these curveballs at times. And and you see that work for her dad was the that safe harbor word that she used, right? And that was the place that he could get solace and he could find his purpose. He's out in the community. He's finding his purpose. But this work thing is something that he's very proud of. And he gets to still be involved and see what Susan and and her team is now working on. Mm. So again, I was I was really a just impressed with Susan. B just very happy to see her story. And, and her family's story and how it's working today and how they continue to grow. Yeah, it, you know, I echo everything you just said there, Ben. And, you know, one piece for me that, you know, I find incredibly interesting about not only just family business as a whole, but maritime energy specifically is, you know, these family businesses, I feel like they're certainly in my mind, It I feel like it's much harder to retire. Right. Um, and, you know, I, certainly I don't know on a personal level, but, you know, it's she touched on it, you know, with her grandfather and, and her father, it's, it's all they, they knew it's, it's their baby, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, this, this business is their families. And, you know, I, I think that aspect of, you know, you, you mentioned if I retire, am I the one that's going to start the the downslide? You know, you just don't know. So I, I think that extra piece of, you know, do I work until I'm 80 or do I retire at 50? You know, it, you know, it's, it's so much more complex, I think, in a small family business like that. And there's just so many more family dynamics, right? Right. Maybe it might be easier to be bringing somebody from outside of the family Mm -hmm. to come run that business as a second generation owner, because you can hire to the skill set, right? And and Susan and uh, and we talked about this a little bit. Some of it was before the show and maybe some of it within the show is what's really intriguing about a third generation business is that the first generation, as you're growing from a startup to, you know, that first stage of growth, you got to be a certain manager. You mm-hmm. got to be very good to be an entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. And then to go, well, her dad then takes over and then he's already at an established company with established revenue. Right. But to go, we have to evolve and we have to change into, into C stores or convenience stores. Well, that's a completely different managerial set. And now yeah. he or she is, and they're doing, you know, they're finding acquisitions and they're, they're growing in different ways there too, and keep evolving. Well, those are three different managerial sets across the growth spectrum. Oh, yeah. And to find that in one family and they have to be that yeah. and navigate the personality things, it's a probably a one in a million type thing, right? It's, it's probably very difficult to find. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, you know, Susan talked a little bit about her own children and, you know, that possible fourth generation. And one piece she touched on is just her, her boys are young right now. So that may be speaking to, you know, maybe Susan has to work longer than she thought she did just right. until her boys or a, one of her boys is ready. And so that whole piece, it's just, it's so interesting and complex. And they may never be, right? Is right. They may get there and go, you know, hey, I always wanted to be you know, a, a certain person or profession or, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe this is something uh, I've been around and I don't share the same passion and love for it that, you know, the previous generations have. And and that's okay, right? right. That, that's an okay right. thing is it, all of us need to discover our own kind of passions in life and not be kind of preordained into something. But there's a, as she said, there's a indirect pressure yeah. she was faced oh, yeah. and her dad would never do that. Right. But you still go, well, you know, if I don't do this, then those dreams may be, may be going away. And, mm-hmm. and that might be, there's a little bit of sadness to that sort of thing, too, which is, again, life happens that way. But again, some really cool takeaways. Again, I, I, I think hopefully you all in the audience today uh, appreciated Susan's story as much as we did, because yeah. a very rare thing, and especially in Maine, um, yeah, to right see here. that and yeah, see it right here. And again, in Rockland today, uh, get us out of our normal area, go to the coast for a day yeah. and experience it was pretty fun. But with that, again, this is going to be episode four. So if you go to blog.guidancepointllc.com backslash four, uh, you can find more about uh uh, our show. So Susan's um, uh, Susan's website for Maritime Energy, their Facebook page will be there. You'll see a little bit more about Energy for Life, the charity that they have for her mom, including uh, Karen's Walk 5K. Uh, so all of those resources there. So if you want to get involved in that and, and you, that story touched you at all, love to have you participate and, and help them with that cause to fight uh, fight cancer in the state of Maine. So with that, uh, again, happy to have you all involved. If, uh, if you have any questions or want to reach out, let us know. But Until next time, we'll see you then. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisors' mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. 
we do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.